Hey there, neighbor. Welcome to Good Life News, a weekly podcast where we talk about ideas, living the abundant Christian life, and God's wonderful, wonderful love. I'm your host, Pastor Lauren Fenton, an old farm kid, Bible student, preacher of grace, husband of one, father of two, papa for five, and really just another pilgrim headed for home. I'm so glad you've clicked in to join me on this journey today. Let's walk together for a few minutes and see what we can discover on the way to the kingdom. Are you ready? Let's go! Greetings once again, friends. This is episode 16 of the podcast. The title of this week's episode is The Fruit of the Spirit. In today's episode, I'll be sharing some thoughts about spiritual fruitfulness as expressed by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Over 21 years ago, in the spring of the year 2000, my wife Ruth and I did something I never in my wildest dreams ever imagined I could ever do in this life. We climbed Jebel Musa, the mountain of Moses, the traditional Mount Sinai in the southern part of the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. The Lord had blessed us with the opportunity and privilege of leading a small tour group visiting the Holy Land. Previously, We'd spent several days with our group in touring Israel, visiting many of the historic and biblical sites that have really great significance to us, and it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, the final leg of our trip took us to Egypt. The first stop in Egypt was at Mount Sinai, where we toured St. Catherine's Monastery, which is built at the foot of the mountain. St. Catherine's is the oldest working Christian monastery in the world, Construction was completed in A.D. 565, and it belongs to the Eastern Orthodox Church and contains many significant icons and other artifacts of great antiquity. While we were still on the bus, approaching the area where we would stay for the night, our tour guide announced that there would be an opportunity the next morning for anyone interested to climb the mountain. There's a well-used path that many tourists use for this once-in-a-lifetime experience. And, of course, Ruth and I immediately raised our hands to join the climb. We had to wake up about 1 o'clock in the morning to start the trek to the top. And there were hundreds of other tourists making the same pilgrimage that we were. Fortunately, it was a crystal clear night. The stars were shining brightly as we began the ascent. We had some wonderful experiences that night, but most of those we'll have to wait for another time. Today, I want to share with what to me was a profound spiritual truth that I learned on that mountain trail. There were several individuals in our climbing group. The others, including my wife, were all much faster than me. They trudged on ahead while I plodded along at a slower pace. Soon, I had lost all track of them in the darkness and among the climbing crowd. But I kept going. The night air was cold, but it wasn't bitter. The only wind was a gentle breeze that helped cool our bodies from the exertion of climbing. At one point, I stopped to rest for a few minutes, and I leaned my back against the mountain boulders beside the trail. I felt the rocks with my hands and pressed my cheeks against them, enjoying the coolness of the stone. Suddenly, in that moment, a flash of insight burst into my mind. 
the mountain doesn't care. If you've ever taken any training in wilderness survival, the first thing you're taught is that the wilderness doesn't care about you. You can enjoy it all you want, and with adequate training, you can usually do so with complete safety. But the wilderness can, and will, kill you if you don't live by its rules. My mind then immediately turned to my lifetime of Bible reading, the Apostle Paul's metaphor comparing Mount Sinai and the heavenly Jerusalem found in Galatians 4 flooded into my mind. In Paul's analogy, Mount Sinai represents the law which cannot save those who disobey or disregard its rules. And here I was, standing on a mountain generally thought to be the Mount Sinai of the Exodus story in the Old Testament. I was leaning against a cold wall of stone bordering the trail leading to the summit. The mountain doesn't care. It will kill you if you don't live by its rules. The truth of that reality made a deep, lifelong impression on my spiritual heart. Only grace, only love, can forgive and offer life to a soul condemned to death by the law. Grace and love can only come from a living person capable of compassion and caring. It's true, the mountain, that is the law, cannot save. But the one who is the creator of the law can. And like my climb up Mount Sinai on that cold, clear night, I knew I had friends at the top. Even so, when we realize the condemnation of the cold, uncompromising law, we can also know that the author of the law is alive. He is our friend, and he saves us from the certain death of sinners. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, There is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. With those thoughts in mind, let's go back to Paul's message to the Galatian church. In chapter 5 of this letter, Paul turns to the issues of godly living and the power of witness by the Christian believers. He says, You have been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Galatians 5.13 He says, Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature desires. That's in verse 16. The apostle then proceeds to list a whole litany of evil practices that grow out of an unconverted heart. You can read his entire list in Galatians 5, 19-21. Well, his list is pretty graphic, and I won't list them all out here. But it's well worth reading for awareness of the carnal nature of our sinful desires. The place I want to spend the rest of our time together today, however, is in verses 22 and 23. I would seriously encourage you to find these verses in your own copy of the Bible. Circle them, underline them, and memorize them. Paul says, there's no law against these fruits of the Spirit. As an aside, 
I now include the fruit of the Spirit in my daily personal prayer every morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit will manifest and make evident these nine spiritual fruits in my life so that my witness for Jesus will not be compromised by any words or any actions that would in any way throw shade on him. I truly want my entire life to be a testimony of his love and grace. So let's look briefly at the nine fruits of the Spirit. And frankly, each of these fruits could be the subject of an entire sermon or chapter in a book or separate episode for the podcast. But today... We'll consider them together as a composite body of character qualities God wants to produce in us as we relate to the world around us. Number one, love. This is agape love, unconditional, unending love as a principle, which he wants to reproduce in the heart of every believer so unbelievers can see him in us. Number two, Joy. The presence of the Holy Spirit brings true joy to us, regardless of difficult or even bitter circumstances around us. Number three, peace. With the Spirit's abiding joy present in our heart, we have the peace that passes all understanding, Philippians 4, 7. The New Living Translation expresses this as, quote, God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. End quote. Number four, patience. The fourth fruit of the Spirit is patience. The New Living Translation Dictionary and Concordance, included as an appendix in my Life Application Study Bible, defines patience as, quote, the power or capacity to endure without complaint something difficult or disagreeable. Forbearance, long-suffering, end quote. Number five, kindness. Many years ago, two of my colleagues and I were quite unhappy about the administrative practices of our mission president when we were overseas. We huddled together, the three of us, to draft a strong letter of our feelings to the president. But before we began, one of my friends said, you know, whatever else we might say, we must be kind. And I'll confess, that was a pointed and powerful godly rebuke to me, anyway, and I believe it was to all of us. I believe it was from the same Spirit who also inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the Ephesians, Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you, Ephesians 4.32. Number six, goodness. The Bible is abundantly clear. There's no innate goodness in the sinful heart of human beings. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah says it so clearly. We're all infected and impure with sin, he says. When we display our righteous deeds, they're nothing but filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6. However, the Holy Spirit can and does work within us, giving us, quote, the desire and the power to do what pleases him, end quote, Philippians 2, verse 13. Number seven, faithfulness. Once again, referring to the NLT Bible Dictionary and Concordance, faithfulness is defined as, quote, the quality of steadfast loyalty or firm adherence to promises, end quote. 
The truth is, it is the Holy Spirit who inspires us to faithfulness. Are you a man or a woman of your word? Can people rely on you to do what you've promised? Broken promises are the stuff of cynicism and skepticism in the political arena, and we've had all too much of that. We must not be that way in our Christian witness. If we tell someone we'll do something, we must do all in our power to fulfill our promises. That, my friend, is the very foundation of trust and respect in all relationships. Number eight, gentleness. I recently completed reading a biography of the late Fred Rogers, the star and inspiration of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood television show for young children. I was truly impressed with the testimonies of those who knew him best, who, to a person, spoke of his gentle way of dealing with people, especially children. One anecdote that stuck in my mind was of a time he was eating out with family and friends in a public restaurant. Mr. Rogers was naturally shy, and not wanting to call attention to himself, he and the dining party were seated at a table in a discreet corner of the restaurant, In the middle of their meal, a very young boy, maybe two or three years old, saw Mr. Rogers and recognized him from the show. The little fellow came running over to the table and stood in front of his hero. He spoke to Mr. Rogers and announced to him, My puppy died. Without missing a beat, Fred Rogers slipped out of his chair and onto his knees so he could be eye to eye with the little child. And there he gently talked to him about loss and grief and comfort. Would that we all could be so discerning to the emotional needs of those around us, whether they're young or old. In this time of increasing tensions everywhere in society, maybe we could all take a cue from Mr. Rogers and pray that the Spirit of God could grant us the fruit of gentleness in our daily relationships with everyone. Number nine is self-control. While writing about temperance for my book, My Seven Essential Daily Prayers, I made an incredible discovery. The expression, which is now usually translated as self-control in the newer versions of the Bible, in the original biblical Greek, the word is enkratia, which means true mastery from within. It embodies the concepts of total self-control, self-discipline, self-mastery, and self-restraint. It could be defined as true personal righteousness. Oh my, that's pretty heavy. I think we all realize that in our own strength, those goals are impossible to achieve. Yet, with the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God's love and presence, the fruit of temperance or self-control can be realized both within our heart and in all our outward relationships as well. Well, friend, my prayer for you today is that all these fruits of the Spirit will grow and flourish daily in your life and in my life as we move forward as ambassadors for the kingdom of heaven. And thank you so much for listening today. I pray you've been blessed. I hope you can join me for next week's episode. I'll be sharing some thoughts about godly relationships and our calling to choose attitudes of grace. Be sure to tune in. 
And if you enjoy these podcasts and blog posts, please share with your friends and your family or whomever, and my many thanks in advance. And oh, one more thing, one more little housekeeping note. All the scripture quotations used in this episode of the podcast and the blog are taken from the New Living Translation. I purchased the NLT Life Application Study Bible a few months ago, and I'm finding incredible blessings as I read and study from this fairly recent version. If you're looking for a new Bible, you might take a look at the NLT. I think you may enjoy it as I have. Anyway, that's all until next week. God bless. Have a wonderful, wonderful day today and a wonderful week as you walk with the King. So we've come to the end of this episode of the Good Life News Podcast. If you would like to comment or join a conversation about today's content, please visit our website at www.goodlifenews.life. I'd love to hear your thoughts and observations. On the website's blog page, you can also find a complete transcript of the most recent episode, which will always be posted at the top of the page. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. If you'd like to help out in this ministry, it's incredibly helpful if you'd leave a nice rating or review on your platform of choice. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week as we continue our journey exploring more about God's love, His amazing grace, and the incredible good news of the everlasting gospel. Until then, walk in peace, live in hope, and hold your treasures with open hands.